having come from the warehouse, it's like, I took, I took pride in that job. Like there was never a day, although I knew it wasn't my end state, I can honestly say there was never a day I was like, oh, I deserve more than this. Or like, there may have been those thoughts, but I knew right away, like, hey, squash that. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. And, and where I was getting with that is that whether you're a nurse, whether you're a, an elementary school teacher with no experience and you're making shit money, it's like taking pr the way to, I think, successfully grow out of that. If that is your end state. Now, if you want to be a teacher your whole right, like still take pride in it. But like it, it isn't to say like, oh, woe is me. How did I end up here? Like this sucks. I'm making shitty money. It's like in my experience and I don't want to blanket statement everything, but it's like when you take extreme ownership of the role you're in and you do it a hundred percent and you also care about the people that you're, you're affecting, like whether that would be your students or your, your coworkers, it's like that gets recognized so quickly that you're not going to stay where you're at. You're listening to the born primitive podcast. Hey, everybody, just want to interrupt the podcast really quick uh, to let you know about January's promotion. I uh, got Mallory here, our co-founder. This was her idea. Ladies, this is for you. So here's how it's going to work. For the month of January, if you buy any pair of Born Primitive Leggings, for the rest of the year, every month, you're going to get a voucher emailed to you to so you can buy a $50 pair of leggings each month thereafter. Um, we think we have the best leggings in the game. Um, they've been extremely popular and this was kind of our way of trying to get more people uh, to try the product cause we really stand behind it. But, uh, Mal, what are our best leggings? I mean, you gotta say the go-to leggings, they've been, they've been with us for years, top seller year after year, um, super compressive, perfect for working out. Um, if you like a little bit more relaxing in your leggings, the Synergy leggings are a close second. Um, similar material, not quite as compressive, so they're perfect for the all-day wear. And then one of my personal favorites are our Limitless leggings, which have a slight ribbed texture to them. Insanely soft and comfortable. Uh, once again, perfect for high-intensity workouts or even lounging around the house if that's your style. So check out one of those three. But yeah, as Bear stated, any legging purchase in the month of January is going to unlock this deal. Um, so definitely take advantage of that and uh, get a little surprise at your doorstep every month with a new pair. And fellas, this is an opportunity to gain some equity with the lady. So if you want to get ahead of this one, highly recommend all January long. All right, back to the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Born Primitive Podcast. We got Big Tone back from Baby Duty. Big Tone, how we doing? We're good. Sleep deprived, but we're, we're feeling good. Ready to get back in the driver's seat. Yeah, man. You got two of them now. So two. you're uh, two you're under two double duty. You're still playing man to man defense. Yeah. You're not playing zone yet. Yeah, you get third, you'd be playing zone defense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I hope everyone's having a good week. Um, the topic we want to get into today is kind of around this analogy that we've been talking about here with the wagon puller versus the wagon rider. And for those that are watching on YouTube or, or Spotify, uh, we actually played it in the beginning of this episode, um, and you might have just heard the voiceover script, but uh, I encourage you to, if, if you're on Spotify or YouTube, go in and actually watch it so you can see the content behind it. But um, kind of an analogy of, of how we're looking at society right now, and, and for those that caught the, the Jason Kalip episode, we touched on it very quickly, but it's essentially around the idea that... Um, you know, our society is, is kind of summarized by, by a wagon and, and there's, there's different components and different roles around this wagon. You got the wagon pullers. Those are the people up front, harnessed up, pulling it, getting it going in, in the right direction. Um, 
Maybe there's some people walking alongside the wagon that aren't necessarily holding it back. They're not adding to the burden of the people up front, but they're not necessarily contributing. And then there are the people sitting up in the wagon, uh, weighing it down. Um, and, uh, you know, we would like to think that those would be reserved for children and the elderly and those, you know, specific people that, that actually need uh, that help. Um, you know, there's a, there's a list of, of kind of categories you could cover there. Um, but unfortunately, what we're seeing today um, is a lot of people are getting up and sitting in that wagon that should be pulling. And, uh, you know, so we want to kind of try to deconstruct that a little bit and um, hopefully deconstruct why maybe that's happening, why a, a narrative that is being pushed in society is, is p- perhaps working so well and, uh, and what we can do to combat it. And, and for those that are, that are up front pulling the wagon, kind of how you should be proud of that. And, and it, it, it's not always, in my opinion, the roles that you think. You know, in my opinion, it's not always like, oh, the, the, you know, the military people and the doctor, like people that kind of get a lot of credit. You know, there's a, if you're a mom you're a wagon puller. If you're the daycare worker, you're a wagon puller. If you're the guy working a construction site at night, you know, digging a ditch on the side of the road, working long hours, like I consider you a wagon puller, man. Like you, and you should be proud of that. It doesn't have to always be this prestigious CEO title or something like that. There's so many ways you can contribute to society. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's the gist of this conversation, but, but tone, uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because on the surface that the, the the wagon puller analogy might seem simple, like oh, either you're you're pulling or you're you're in the wagon. And as you just described, it's it actually is a pretty complex example of a of a way I think a healthy society could operate, or what I think we are seeing nowadays of like maybe a society that has started to get a little bit sick. And of course, that's like an exaggerative statement just to make a point, but. As you mentioned, like there, there is a time and a place in, in to be in the wagon, but it should be reserved, as you mentioned, for for those who, hey, like maybe maybe you have some a sickness going on, or you're you're an elder, or you're you're a, you're a young child. In that instance, it makes sense for you to be in there, and that's a, that's a healthy society. Is that there are going to be people that need taken care of, and there's going to be, as you said, like uh, there's going to be nurses in the wagon as well, who are the ones actually taking care of them that are getting pulled. But their value add is to be in in the wagon, um, helping them out. I think the interesting part, and I, I think what we want to dissect a little bit, is why are so many people willing to crawl into the wagon when they have no reason to be in there? They're not they're not disenfranchised. They're not elderly. They're not they're not a child. They're fully capable. But to me, feels like it is an easy it's an easier short term solution to realize. Oh, I can. I can crawl in here and not have to not have to grind, not have to work, not have to contribute, and other people will kind of pull the wagon for me. But and you and I were talking about before we went live is that in the short term that may feel like oh wow like I, I gamed the system like look at this I can I can hop in here, but over time that corrosion of the value of being a contributor to yourself and to your tribe, not only has detriment to the individual but then to us as a society. So. That's the thing I would want to ask you is why do you think now? And, and, and of course, I don't think this is just unique to our generation. This is had like this is something that's played out before, but it does seem more pertinent. Why do you think more and more people are willing to climb in there when for individuals that I'm around and even myself, my whole value as a as an individual and then as a contributor is surrendered around being of service to myself and to those around me so that I feel like I'm contributing. Cause in moments in my life where I felt like I wasn't doing that, that was the most lost I ever felt. So 
what, what's your what's your why behind what we may be seeing uh, uh, a more an uptick in, in individuals willing to do that? Well, it's it's really freaking simple, man. I think two reasons. One, people are wired to take the easy route, right? That's just human nature. And I think a lot of these people that are willing to let others pull the weight for them, um, you know, just don't have that that kind of moral compass to, you know, especially as men, you know what I mean? It's like, you're going to let another guy pull the weight for me. You know, no, I'm an able-bodied male and my job is to contribute, right? That's my that's part of my responsibility to provide and protect and be a productive member of society. Unfortunately, man, just some people just don't possess that, like, internal voice of feeling like the obligation to, to do that. And number two is entitlement, entitlement. And, you know, it's like these people think, oh, I'm allowed to sit in the wagon because society tells me that, that I'm a victim. So, you know, I, I don't have to pull. The other people can pull for me because poor me, look, look at my circumstance. And we saw this, man, in COVID, this entitlement. So ridiculous. We start pumping out government checks every month. You know, here's the thing. All right, you want to get a government check for two grand a month so you can sit in your house and freaking play video games and eat Cheetos like a piece of shit? Or do you want to go work a nine-to-five honest living like everybody else and be a productive member of society? Unfortunately, in that scenario, more people than we'd like to admit are taking option A. And and they're not sitting there like, oh, man, like, you know, they don't have that guilt. They love it. They, you know, they, they're taking advantage of the system. They love being a freeloader. And then on top of that, during COVID, it's like this law that, you can't get evicted by your landlord, right? So they're not even paying. They're they're getting free money from the government. They have no expenses, and they're not even paying their own rent. And they're wasting it on a bunch of dumb shit, which is why like the consumer goods market exploded. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because everyone has this extra income. Um, you know, there's, there's some you know places that are still fighting that, right? Where it's like it it was like in a way well intended. You know, of course, COVID was an unprecedented thing. We were kind of figuring it out on the fly, so it was a way to like make it so, um, you know, there weren't massive economic repercussions but of course people are going to take advantage of every system so to me that's the most glaring example in recent history is you had grown-ass men able-bodied middle-aged men like us that are sitting on their ass in their apartment all day long doing nothing and then when it comes the end of the month to pay their rent they don't even fucking pay their rent right that's those are the people that we are going to have in our society and the irony is those people are the ones that think they're the victims and they're the ones that villainize the the people that are up front, harnessed up, digging their feet in the ground, pulling the wagon, right? Like the people that are successful, the people that are, that are contributing to society are become the, the, the villain. How ironic is that? It's like, hey, motherfucker, who do you think's paying your $2,000 subsidy, right? For sure. That's coming from tax dollars, right? Yeah. It's not coming from you. It's coming from people that are working a nine to five and working their butt off. And that's not even just the super rich. That's the middle class too. Yeah. That's that guy working a construction job. He's the one paying for that dickhead that's sitting on his couch, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's you, you, you know, I think a lot of people do have that internal voice of like, that. it just, you would never accept that because it's just not morally right, right? Like yeah. you're better than that and you want to be able to pull the wagon. But there's, unfortunately, there's too many people, I think because of the narrative that's getting pushed down by the government to certain you know, groups of people, they want them to feel like they're a victim and they want them to think they're entitled to certain things. I hate to say it because that's how they get votes, right? If you think you're dependent on a certain political party, right, and, 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 and you're the party of giving out all the free shit, well, how do you think you're going to vote? You know what I mean? And, and especially if you then subscribe to the narrative of, oh, yeah, they're right. I should get two grand a month or I should get all that welfare. 
um, because I, I'm owed that because, you know, I, I'm in bad circumstances and, and, and the society owes this to me. Yeah. And it's just completely fucked. Yeah. And I think to me, the interesting part is because, as you said, COVID was such an unprecedented event that to think that it could have been handled perfectly, I think, is delusional as well. But the lack of foresight to say this is not sustainable, what we're doing as a society, because if it's a one month thing, if it's a two month thing in reaction to an unprecedented event, I get it. But to me, it almost pulled the veil back on something that I think is deeper in like the human psyche right now is that people didn't respond in a way that was like, Hey, let's, let's, let's figure this out. Let's bootstrap. And like, let's, let's make sure as a society, we're still, still working within a system that is sustainable over time. It was the opposite. It's like a lot of people sat back on their laurels and was like, hell yeah. Like, yeah, this is a global, this is a global disaster, but like, this ain't bad kind of sitting at my house. Like, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to get the, all the juice out of this that I can ride it right up until the month that like, finally they're like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. And that, that is concerning to me less on the individual level. I can see how it, like you could rationalize your way into that, that like, yeah, this is, this is an event that we, we like, we don't know what to do. So let's, let's just hang out. Let's get taken care of by the government. That makes sense to me, but it is a, it's, it's almost a red flag for me and kind of like the canary in the coal mine that and it's what you kicked off with that as a society, what we value has kind of eroded so that like, we aren't looking at situations like that and saying like, Oof, like something in my gut is telling me that this probably is not what we should be doing as far as just hanging out. Yeah. And look where we are now, right? We got record inflation. I, I got to, you know, buy a half gallon of milk for my daughter. It's nine bucks. Like I can afford that, but some people can't, you know what I mean? I'm looking at it. It's like, it's craziness. So we, we're, 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 we're seeing, you know, we're, we're reaping what we sow there and, and what that created. Um, you know, I think to kind of deconstruct the analogy a little bit more, um, you know, because I want this, there also to be kind of an empowering message here too, is that people should be proud. People that are, that are making an honest living, that are raising a family, that are good neighbors and, and, you know, are force for good. Like be, be really proud of that because that is not implied anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and you don't need to be, you know, some prestigious title and, and, and be super successful to be what I consider a freaking wagon puller, man. And we see that in so many, of course, for me, our, our military, our first responders, our nurses, the daycare ladies, um, shit, even that, you know, the people working in, at the toll booth, man, you know what I mean? Like at two in the morning when you're getting on the toll road and it's like, Hey, that person's making an honest living and, and maybe they don't think that's glamorous, but Hey, you should be proud of that, right? Because you could be doing the alternative. You could be collecting a welfare check every month and uh, and just sitting on your ass while others provide for you. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, people um, that are listening, you know, regardless of what you're doing, if you're if you're doing those things, especially the parents, man, it's on us to 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 raise the next generation and instill good values in them. That alone is a massive responsibility. If you're doing just that. If you're if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're and you're you got three little rugrats running around and you're you know what I mean you're getting barely any sleep and you're pulling your hair out like you are a freaking wagon puller and you need to be proud of that because you're raising good kids and they're going to be the next generation of people that will contribute to society and then you got the people walking alongside the wagon and I think we'll all acknowledge that there's going to be a time in your life where you might need to unhook the harness and let let others pull for you and that's okay you know what I mean sure. um, there's, there's life circumstances that are going to happen. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it if you're kind of the one walking alongside because you're not really weighing it down. You're not contributing immediately, but you're not making it heavier. And hey, there might even be times where you might have to go sit up there for a minute, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, 
but it just it amazes me. It's just I can't even relate to the psychology of some of these people that as soon as there's an open seat in the wagon, man, they're unhooking that harness and they're getting the fuck up there, right? And then and then they're talking shit to the people down pulling. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the kicker, man. It's yeah. like not only are they just grateful of like, all right, you know, I get a welfare check every month, and uh, wow, this is a you know, I live in a free free country and um, one of the greatest countries on the planet. It's like, no, I'm going to collect my check and then I'm going to talk a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, wh- where do we even begin with that? You know what I mean? I will never relate to that that mentality because it's so far from how I was raised and in, in the values that I have. Um, but then you see it. Um, and then uh, somehow the people that are up front Poland become the villain in, in this story. And it's like, how the fuck do you think this wagon is moving in the first place? When it's interesting, it's like we've, and I, I even feel this in my, I can have the humility to say that I feel this in myself at times. It's like, we've lost track of the simple things a little bit. And I say that because I think some of the entitlement stems from that is that we have all convinced ourselves that more is better. Now there are instances where of course that is true. Like having the resources to provide for yourself and your family is extremely important. But the simple, like the simple things of like family, good food, a place to live, like a community you feel comfortable in it's like those aren't of value anymore, and it's like a victim story is be creating is being created around why don't we have as much as X? And you could insert any like whether it's I'm sorry, but like white males or like you can start to insert any party into that. And there's there's a there's a victimhood created from why don't we have the same amount that that group of people has? When it's like you, what you just said is important. It's that the freedom alone that we have in this country should be that should be the th- that's the only thing we're entitled to. And, and that's what we should be fighting for. And it's almost on flipped on its head where there's a complete erosion of free speech of just freedoms in general, whereas there's an entitlement to like resources and, and, and jobs and things like that. And it's like, no, those are earned. And of course there is, that's not, it's not that everyone starts at the same uh, starting line. It's not a perfect system, but if you look around, it's like, we've done a pretty damn good job here. So protecting that, being entitled to the freedom to explore and to grow as a human is what's important, not the entitlement to the end state that some people have achieved. Yeah, and it all comes down to, we've talked about this before, is regardless of the starting point you come from, the same principles apply. It's really freaking simple. You work your butt off, you apply yourself, and good things are going to happen. However, there's going to be some shit you have to shovel. Everything worthwhile in life is hard think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, every rite of passage that you've gone through was difficult. Even with raising kids, man, it's like sure. you and I are in it right now, like yeah. getting three Deep and a half it. hours of sleep, uh, and you know, doing the whole thing and you know, they're having meltdowns and all this and, uh, you know, the, the house yeah. is falling apart. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> um, you know, even just, even that is, a, is a kind of a rite of passage that, that, um, you know, ultimately they, they grow up to be, um, you know, successful members of society you can be proud and probably you know we're not there yet of course but i imagine you miss those moments then when it happens um but everything that that you go through in life that ends up being worthwhile there there is difficulty prior to you know i think the only exception would be like if you're one of these people that like inherited a bunch of money right it's like okay well there was no difficulty to that yeah yeah (laughs) so you know some people might just you know get that benefit um there's no you can't control that but but regardless of kind of those outliers um we all have the ability to um, pursue our own version of the American dream, regardless of what certain politicians are telling you of what you're supposed to become. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Cause you know, we talked about with the, in Jason's podcast, it's like, 
this narrative that is pretending to trying to help these people is actually actually crippling them. Because as we know, if you subscribe to the victim mentality and that victim narrative, it completely changes you know, the lens you see the world through. And, and, and you see everything through the lens of, oh, I am a victim. And, it, and it's that confirmation bias. Everything you see is because of X. You know, and you even, you know, we use the high school, like, athlete analogy, right? It's like the kid who thinks he's not getting playing time because his parents are telling him that, oh, it's because the coach likes the other kid. You know what I mean? And it's like, now that kid's not going to work anymore because he thinks it's a predetermined outcome when you should be telling him, hey, get your ass in the weight room, get out to the fucking football field, start running gassers at night, work your butt off, you know, get your, get your you know, protein, get your calories in. Instead, there, there, there's this, oh, this boo-hoo, the coach is going to play the other kid at linebacker because, you know, he's, he's buddies with the coach, right? So they, the second that kid starts subscribing to that bullshit, he's, he's toast. But you know the, what I mean? And, and the, the, the sad part to me is that using your example of like the rites of passage or that anything that is kind of truly worthwhile in life is going to take a, a certain level of hard work and just kind of like grittiness is that that is the actual that's the magic of the journey if it's not the outcome so if you feel entitled to an outcome even if you got even if somebody handed you that outcome on a silver platter guess what it didn't it's not going to change who you are it's not going to make you any i would argue it's not going to make you any more fulfilled any more happy inside in my experience what does bring forward levels of of fulfillment and kind of gratitude and groundedness is developing the traits in in self-reflection and kind of the the attributes attributes needed to achieve that outcome that's the that's the magic the journey is the magic it has nothing yeah. to do with the actual end state those are almost just secondary indicators i would i would call i think indicators a decent word that you're on the path in a way whether, whether it's money whether it's 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 other types of resources like like a house or whatnot of course that that just stems from a monetary um stability is that those those are the secondary effects of being on the path, holding yourself responsible, and 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 manifesting a life that you like. That is that's the magic of being a human. So yeah, it's it's almost a, 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 a an inverse of feeling entitled to an outcome because to me it's like I, and it goes back to the example of getting handed a bunch of wealth. It's like th there's nothing wrong with that, and of course like setting up generational wealth for your family, like if handled the right way can give extreme benefits and extreme freedoms. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but I almost, it's like, I wouldn't, it's not like I look back on my life and say, man, I wish I'd have had a hundred grand or a million dollar trust fund when I was 18 with what I, what I've gone through in my life. I, I, I wouldn't want that. And it's for that exact reason is that everything I am today is because of the trials and tribulations working through those and figuring out kind of defragging my own mind to end up in a state where it's like, I, I know I'm being of value. I, I know I can add value to a room, to my family. And that's only a result of all of those, those kind of micro hard moments that you're willing to kind of persevere through. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, a great example, man. And it, it's like, you know, if you were to climb some summit, right, you, you get up to the top and you look down over the valley there and it's, you feel that sense of accomplishment. Part of it is because you had to work your butt off to get up there. Sure. Um, and, you know, imagine if you just took a, a helo ride and just got dropped at the summit. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And you, and you got cool there, for one minute. You got there in two minutes, and you're like, you'd probably kind of stand up there like, all right, nice of you, but, like, it wouldn't be the same, right, because you didn't have that struggle. It's almost like, <laughs> this will make me sound like a hillbilly, but, you know, you do, like, a full day of yard work, right, and it's hot out, and you're all dirty, and you come in, and you, you drink that first cold beer. 
like that cold beer is tastes 10x better yeah. than within a normal cold beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so it's like you need to have that struggle to appreciate, you know, the outcome. And uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people, I think, um, want to skip the hard part and just get to the end. Um, and then they're deprived on um, a lot of life experience that makes them end up being a much more well-rounded um, individual. And uh, well, in, in one layer deeper is so right there, what we just talked about is the feelings of fulfillment that you will get for sticking to a journey that maybe isn't always easy, but that has an end state that you've, you've identified as what you want to work towards and then making that happen. That's on the individual level. I would say what's even equally as powerful as that is that along that journey, the other individuals that you find have walked a similar path. It's never going to be exactly the same as yours. The power in let, let's use the summit analogy. You get to the top of the summit, having having trekked up it let's say it took a month and you see other individuals that have done the same the bonding and the connection that you will make those that that makes it all worth it too so it's not even just an individual development that is that that's a huge part of it and building that confidence within yourself to kind of manifest something or or reach a goal that you set out to huge for your personal kind of development and confidence but then i equally as powerful is being able to look somebody in the eyes that has trekked through something similar to that. And with your military experience, you can speak directly to this. It's like, that's a bond that you can't, you can't create that any other way. And like those, those connections, and especially if those play out over years, like I look at both my brothers, like some of my closest friends, it's like, we've been through a lot together. And like, now when we sit down in a room, it's like, there's an energy there that like, and it's like, it's funny too, because it's, you don't judge people along the way, but there are people along the way that kind of they they step out they step out of the uh, they step off the path and and that's their own journey to take but like it's like when you look at the motherfuckers that were willing to like walk that path the whole way through and see it through it's like that builds a bond that's unbreakable and i think as humans we desire that like we we desire deep connections with people and i truly think to go back to the rites of passage like the only way not the only way but one of the most significant ways to develop those those deep bonds with both on a on a kind of partnership level but then also a friend level is to go through hard shit together 100 percent, man and it, you you can't replicate that bond and that shared suffering yeah um yeah definitely the you know the military unit that i come from that's a that symbol that's you know um pinned up on your uniform like if those were just given out it, it would mean nothing you know what i mean if you could just like skip the line and be like all right i'm gonna pay for this or oh i, I get it because of xyz it, it, it would lose its entire meaning but um, and I think too, it's like, this isn't, as you said earlier, it, it, it makes me sad having come from the warehouse. It's like, I took, I took pride in that job. Like there was never a day, although I knew it wasn't my end state. I can honestly say there was a never a day. I was like, oh, I deserve more than this. Or like, there may have been those thoughts, but I knew right away, like, Hey, squash that. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. And, and where I was getting with that is that whether you're a nurse, whether you're a, an elementary school teacher with no experience and you're making shit money, it's like taking the way to, I think, successfully grow out of that. If that is your end state. Now, if you want to be a teacher your whole right, like still take pride in it. But like it, it isn't to say like, oh, woe is me. How did I end up here? Like this sucks. I'm making shitty money. It's like in my experience and I don't want a blanket statement, everything, but it's like when you take extreme ownership of the role you're in and you do it a hundred percent and you also care about the people that you're, you're affecting, like whether that would be your students or your, your coworkers, it's like that gets recognized so quickly that you're not going to stay where you're at. So it's, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic. Cause I think culturally we've lost that, that pride of like, 
doing a mundane job or an entry-level job. It doesn't even have to be mundane. And then we kind of stay stuck in it because we carry a piss poor attitude of like, and, and here comes the entitlement of like, why am I not getting more? Why am I not making more money? It's like, well, it's obvious. And anyone that has been through it, and that's what sucks. You start to break what I think is a healthy society because it should be people that grinded through those different levels that become the wise elders and then give that advice of like, hey, hey, when you're 19, 18, 20, like, get in there, get in the trenches, work your ass off, be a value add to wherever you're at. Whereas now it's like the government, and I, don't, I hate using like they or the government, but it is true. It's like there are large entities that are, 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 are propagating and standing up these feelings of entitlement that like, yeah, you should have more. You should. And it's like that's so unhealthy for society because it's, it's, it's in my experience, not how the real world works. Yeah, and I think even you don't even have to be 19, 20. I, I would say because I, I think on, on a more of a positive side, there's probably a lot of people listening and a lot of people just in life in general that feel like, man, I'm never going to get out of this position. Or, you know, you could be, maybe it's you're in your 40s or mid-30s or whatever, and you're you're doing a fairly mundane nine to five, and, and it's just not that great. And you're just kind of thinking, man, is this the next 30 years? Um, don't don't feel helpless. You can control your own destiny. Um, and, and just because you're there now doesn't mean that's where you're always going to be. But, but you have to have a realistic outlook on, all right, what is the next step? Like, what's the plan? Um, how do I improve my fighting position? Right. So if, if, if you're in a job you don't like, um, you know, what does my resume look like? Uh, what does my education background look like? Even though I would argue I wish that wasn't so relevant with with jobs, but but it is. OK, well, can I take night classes? Right. Can, can I burn the midnight oil for three years and, and go get my undergrad degree? Or maybe you get your master's degree and now you're not eligible for all these other positions you didn't get. Um, and you know, might be grinding you might be working two jobs and doing night classes. I mean, there are people that do this and when they're grinding, they are improving their fighting position in society. Right. So you, you can't just, you know, sit back and say, well, this is, this is, you know, I, I'm accepting my fate and then be negative about it the whole time. It, it, you know, hopefully it's like, all right, you're good. This is the current position you're in, but Hey, you can, you can uh, ascend, but, it, but it's going to take you're gonna have to bust your ass a little bit to get there because it's it's not for everyone, right? That's why there's there's levels to this. You know, some people are you know there's a little bit of luck and definitely skill too. Like if you're if you're more skilled in, in in business and whatever that is, you're gonna get there quicker. You're gonna have a better chance. But no matter how intelligent you are, how lucky you are, if you apply those basic principles, all right, how do I improve my fighting position in society and how do I be more of a value add to another entity. What do I bring to the table? You got to be honest about it because if it's a job that anyone can do, um, you know, the pay will be commensurate to that, right? But as you get more skilled, obviously you can you can demand more, and and that's the biggest thing is I don't want people to be discouraged um, by by being in a position because I look at myself, man. I was like, all right, I, you know, I was a freaking Yale graduate, right? Um, a bunch of my buddies were going to Wall Street, making six figures immediately. And I was working for Red Bull, um, not making a lot of money. Cool job. But what did I do to improve my fighting position? <laughs> I went and bought a lawnmower and I printed out flyers at FedEx and I handed them out around all the neighborhoods in, in this, uh, southern Indianapolis where I was living. Right. I was splitting a house with three other people. My rent was like, I don't know, like 400 bucks. So it was super cost effective. And I was mowing five lawns a week um, after hours after working. Right. So like it wasn't a huge deal, but I knew, OK, That'll be another like two or three grand a year, whatever it is. And I can use that to start building up my own financial, you know, and obviously not to a massive degree, but hey, that's a small win. I, I've, I've, I've slightly improved my fighting position there. And, you know, it, 
I was a Yale graduate, man. I could have been like, oh, that's a, I don't mow lawns. No, because I grew up mowing lawns. That's how you know I was raised, and I think I learned a lot of the, the work ethic and kind of principles. So I didn't I didn't roll out with that fancy Yale degree and be like, oh well, you know, I need to go to Wall Street. I you know I demand a hundred thousand dollars a year because I'm a Yale graduate. You know what I mean? It was like no. If this is what I'm doing, I'm going to go to a lawnmower and I'm going to be literally, I mean, they didn't know I was a Yale graduate mowing their lawn. You know, they probably thought I was some hillbilly, you know what I mean? Which is fine. I mean, an Indiana guy, you know, I probably looked like it too, probably in jorts, shirtless in work boots mowing their lawn. But you see what I'm saying? Well, so and, and there's, it's, we've all been in that phase, but some of us choose to get out of it, right? And, and But but others don't. And I, I want to empower people because you can get out of it. Um, you just, you gotta, you gotta take action and you gotta work harder than everybody else. That's well, what it comes down to. Well, and there's the word, and it's funny. I wrote it down as empowerment. And because what you just described, like there's a subtlety to, to victimhood. It's not, there, there are the obvious ones where somebody who is fully capable has perceived themselves as a victim and is trapped in that, that mind cage that they've created. But then there's the subtlety of what you just said too, is that, and we all have this is you can rationalize your way into anything. So if you have three kids, you have a, a busy family, but you absolutely hate your job. Of course, I think at least how I would prioritize that is like, okay, I need to provide for my family. So even if I hate my job, I need to provide for them. But then here's where the subtlety comes in of victimhood is that you, it, it, you're almost staying a victim even in that scenario if you convince yourself that, yeah, I'm just gonna punch the clock for 30 years because I have to take care of my family. It's like, Yes, that should be a priority and that should, of course, be considered. But then the subtlety of being empowered to even if it takes three years to get out of that, to still provide for your family and build a skill set to transition out. That's where empowerment comes from. And that's what's sad to me is that as humans, we have the unbelievable ability to create realities in which do not exist right now. That's the beauty of being a human. And I think it is special. And I think as a society, if we lean into that and realize our power, that will change literally everything that in which we live in. Like that's how culture changes. That's how societies build out, I think in a healthy way, but it's like, we've, we've lost that empowerment and we've kind of surrendered it to, to whether it is the times the government or these bigger corporations. And we've seen this happen in moments recently where it's like a complete, just like, and I, I do, I hate this word, but like sheep in the sense of like, Oh, like, I don't have it. Like, I don't have any, like, I don't have the answers. I don't know. Like whatever they say is the truth. And it's like, if we can, if we can, grip back that that empowerment it's like it will work not only in those subtle moments of building out a skill set but then it ripples out through a culture where now you have a bunch of people who realize their power and no longer need to look up to um and uh, look up to the man to solve their issues and i'm, I'm sorry it's 1770 it's like a, it was less than 100 men that were able to do that and separate from from great britain and look at look at the power that less than 100 guys were able to do it's like we, we don't need to go to that extreme now, but that 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 essence, that spirit that they carried, like if we can embody that as a culture again, it's like we won't. It, it, we can solve the issues ourselves. Yeah, man, I think it just it comes down to we have to eradicate this victimization bullshit. We have to because it's crippling people, right? It's 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 arming them with this thought that they're they're owed something, and they're not. Um, and and. I always want to be able to provide, you know, society, hopefully, especially American society, hopefully we can produce surplus to take care of the people that actually need it. You know, I think we can all agree on that. It's like, hey, if you want to take 46% of my paycheck or whatever the hell it is and give it to social programs and stuff for people that really need it, take it all day long. Like, yes. I, I'm, I, I generally agree with the concept that there is a greater good and, like, we all have to contribute to that, you know, yep. because it's like, 
you know, of course with taxes, it's like some breaks in my house and the police show up and, you know, they protect me like that's, um, someone has to pay for that. Right. And roads and bridges, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're, I think we can all acknowledge that, that some of this, um, is absolutely worth every penny, but it's gotten just so out of hand that, um, we have to eradicate this victimization because it, it, like I said, the, the wild irony of all of it is it is crippling the people that it's meant they, they think it's protecting. You know what I mean? And it's like, as soon as you have that mindset, you are dead in the fucking water. Dead. Yeah. Be- you know what I mean? Because everything you see is through that lens now. And no matter what it is, you're the victim. Poor me. You're owed something. And uh, you should be taking the exact opposite approach. And there, there are real examples of people that are actually probably, you know, we could we could grant them some slack if they did subscribe to that because there are some, some legitimate bad circumstances, right? And of it's course. like, man... You know, like, yeah, you did have a bad, you got dealt a bad hand in the beginning, man. But, you know, like even, you know, I had a guy yell with me and play football with me. He was a, you know, like a poor Mexican kid in LA, man, like lived in like Compton. Um, and he ended up, you know, he's in my class and I ended up talking to him about it. I was like, hey, man, what, what did you do differently? You know what I mean? Because, you know, especially certain politicians in certain parts of society would say, oh, you should have never made it. And you should yeah. have just been given shit your whole life because poor you. Your poor Mexican kid living in the hood in LA, right? And he said, Hey, it was, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, instead of like joining gangs, when all the kids started doing that, like, I went to the freaking library and I, I, I educated myself. Yeah. And then I went to the weight room and I worked out and I, I did agility drills out on the practice field. And you know what I mean? Like, I applied myself when everyone else was going down the path that society told them they were supposed to go down. And then, you know what I mean? Four years later, this poor Mexican kid, is getting a Yale degree and walking out and literally punched his ticket to go get whatever job he wants and yep. is absolutely killing it. And he was an absolutely awesome guy, right? So I'm like, okay, if society is pushing this narrative, then why does that guy make it? Was he just that exceptional that, you know what I mean? It's like, no, it was simple. He went to the freaking library. He applied himself. And, and from what I remember, I don't even think he had any real mentors. And that's like the, that's the thing that I wrestle with, man, because some of these people, I, I don't, I don't blame them for going down these bad paths because they never had mentors, right? Yeah. And it's like, so, how do we? We got to get, we got to fix that because, particularly in some societies, man, like there's no, the, the, there's no fathers, right? So it's like, how do you expect this fourteen year old kid to not go join a gang or whatever? Like he has no, that's all he knows. That's yeah. he's, it's this vicious cycle. Um, it's like, man, we need mentors. Cause that's, I, you know, you could probably agree on this. Like, that's a big reason why I think I'm at where I am today. I look back at my past and in those formidable years, I had linebacker coaches and, you know, defensive coordinators and like, you know, baseball and basketball coaches and my, of course my parents and brothers and their friends. And it, there was always good, you know, men around that I could emulate yeah. and I could see what right was. And I was always then aspiring to become them. And then you get to college, right? You get your strength coach yep. and your football coach. You had baseball coaches. And then, you know, in the military, I had these, you know, guys that were above me, or the instructors, right? You know, they're the gatekeepers. And you always had, you know, other men instilling these strong values in you. And, and then eventually you just become that. You become the embodiment of all of the different things you were exposed to. Yeah. Nothing about me is original, right? I just took little tidbits of pieces of different men that I looked up to and women um, and, uh, and that kind of became my core identity, right? None of that is original to me. Uh, so the kids that don't have this, like we also have to acknowledge, like we have to freaking fix that. And we think of like all the money we waste. It's like, if there's one area I wish we could s- how to fix is like, if we could fix education. So these kids that actually need it, like a shit, you want to take an extra 3% off my income every year to help some poor kid in the city, have a mentor. 
all about it. That's worth every freaking penny, yeah. right? Because they need that, and that will help society, and it will give these kids. So I do wrestle with it, right? Like, you know, I'm kind of being hard-ass, and, oh, like, everyone can make it, blah, blah, blah. But there is, I understand nuance to it of, like, that inner-city kid. Um, while I do think he can still control his own destiny, he doesn't even know that. Like, we need someone to tell him to make yeah. him realize that. And, and if he doesn't have a mentor, if he doesn't have a father figure, how do we expect him ever to know that? Like, he, you know, the, my buddy's example, like, man, what an exceptional outlier that was. If, yeah, I'm not going to go join again. I'm going to go to a live, public library and read books. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, you can't have that. That, you know, that is not going to be the norm. So I, I do wrestle with man, that because, I, especially our kids, man, they deserve better. Um, and, uh, it, it's a hard one. It's such an impossible, complex problem. Um, but yeah, the and, goal, the goal of this conversation isn't to trivialize victimhood because victimhood is real. The, the, the thing that I think we're discussing is that to get at, like, there are people who you look at and you're like, yes, you are a victim of shitty circumstance or of a very traumatic event. That is true. That should never be trivialized yeah. to the point where it's like no you're never a victim that doesn't that's not even a real thing it's like it is real in that moment and maybe even over a, a period of moments or a timeline but the way out of that is not to remain it's like it, it's like any construct that you you create in your head is that if you identify with that you will it's 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 almost back to the empowerment you will maintain that that's part of what we can do as humans is that if you if you buy into a a, a thought structure you will embody that thought structure. So if you commit to the fact that I am a victim, you will remain a victim. Whereas it could be, I was a victim, but like, here's what I did to grow out of that. That's the empowerment part of it. So yeah, you're right. It's like, this shouldn't come across as like a harsh, like, oh, don't, th there's no such thing. Like you, it's impossible, like uh, bootstrap and, and make it happen. It's like, there is a subtlety to it. And then as you start to peel back the layers, I think you land on what you just said is like, and I don't, have you ever watched Soft White Underbelly on mm -hmm. YouTube? No. So it's a guy who, he actually used to be like a, um, and I, he was just on Rogan. I wish I, Mark, Mark something, but he was a video and photographer for Apple. Event, like had an amazing career with them as they expanded, realized I want to do my own thing. Started to go, had a fascination with just like, he calls it the underbelly of America. So started going to Skid Row and talking with people. So these were gang members. These were people that had been addicted to drugs for 30 years. Somebody, I think Rogan actually asked him like, hey, you've been you've probably talked to more disenfranchised people than almost anyone in the country because he's been doing it now for 20 years like what how can we fix this and it was a very broad question and he just looked straight i think it, i think it was rogan I, I apologize if i'm misspeaking but he just said it's parenting like because he gets to know these people and then any of the money he makes from the channel he gives back to them and he's like it as i got to know their stories it's like you can trace every single one of them almost like he's like 99 percent of them back to something very traumatic that happened in their childhood or just a complete lack of presence of any type of of family figure so as we I, I know this one was more centered around the value of like empowerment and not being a victim but like embodying and i feel like as new fathers we're always harping on this but like the leaning into the importance of parenthood as a culture should not be understated at any any point like that what that that's starting that sets up and mitigates i think a lot of what we're talking about it, snip, it nips it at the butt right from when a, a kid is a young age. Because as you said, you start to see, you look up to hopefully your your parents. Then if your parents are healthy, they're probably going to have healthy relationships around them. Those are the, uh, the crazy uncles that you learn a lot from. It's <laughs> like you start to build an ecosystem in which people people see what healthy relationships look like. They, they have those mentors to look up to. And I do think it mitigates a lot of this down the road. Whereas like if you've never looked up to anyone and then you're 18, 
it's not impossible to work your way out of that, but it has become a much more complex solution to try to solve. Yeah, because you would almost need to have this like jolting epiphany yes. of, of, of actual reality yes. to make you realize, oh, the stuff that I've been, you know, subscribing to is complete bullshit. Well, because you don't <laughs> you don't yeah. even know yeah. sometimes I think as you get older, you start to recognize this is a mentor or this is somebody I really look up to. But when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, like you don't even know how that's shaping you. Yeah. Like a good coach, like I look back oh, yeah. at one of our travel baseball coaches when my brother and I were eleven to thirteen and it's like just solid dudes. Like we, in, in, in the moment though, it's like, they were kind of a pain in my ass. Like they're, they were, they were hard on us, but like, we were really good as a team and looking back now, it's like, Whoa, that, that was an adult that had his shit together enough to, to not only keep us disciplined, but also be soft when it was required. Do you know what I mean? And, and that, that's something I look back on and, 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 and I'm like, Oh my God, like there are a series, as you said, like, and they all have different tastes. There's always different personalities, but like you are just kind of an amalgamation of those those fifteen people, but when you're at when you're actually in it, you don't even really recognize it until you get older. So Definitely. that's the sad part, Bear. And I think that's part of what we feel as a culture is that it's not like these nineteen year olds are like, oh, I'm a victim. It's just that they've never been exposed to any type of person to look up to, so it's all they know. And that's what's scary is that you do that enough out over a culture. It's like it's not it's not a conscious decision to be a victim. It's, it's, it's extremely unconscious in the sense that like, they just don't know any better. And they're around a bunch of people who embody that same victimhood. And that's as a culture, like, I think us talking about it, hopefully, the more people talk about it, maybe it reestablishes that as such a firm value. So that as a society, we start to put that on a pedestal of like, let's not let our kids go uh, a, a year without seeing somebody they look up to. And that's easy to say harder to solve. But hopefully conversation at least like re reinvigorates the conversation surrounding it. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. You don't in real time, you don't realize the mentorship you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. We, my, one of our football coaches always texts us on veterans day, uh, coach Coyle. He always texts me another buddy that we both played and then went up going to the same unit in the military. And we always respond back with like, yo coach, like we we're the one that needs to thank you. Like the shit you taught us out on that practice field, like that shit was hard, man. Yeah. And it was always tough love. I mean, these were hard-nosed guys. You yeah. know what I mean? Indiana, you know, conservative dudes that just old old school values, and and, and they taught that on the football field, man. Um, but in the moment, you don't realize the incredible benefit of being exposed to that. And then I think, for me, I think it's like when you probably get in your early 20s, maybe mid-20s, you start, it all starts making sense. Um, and just observing your parents be good role models as well. In, in the moment, that's just, you feel like that's the norm. You realize yeah. it's not the norm. Um, and uh, and then you kind of hopefully can become that um, and, and kind of pass that down to the to the next generation. Um, but as we know, I mean, there, there's breaks to that because, you know, some people don't get that early on. It's like, I think that's what we have to solve for as society. And, and we have to just stop. I mean, this will probably piss some people off. But from my optic, you know, one political party, the only reason that they push all this shit is to get votes, man. You know what I mean? Like, they don't actually give a shit about any of these people. They want them dependent on them for free shit, so they vote for them. That's yeah. it. That's it. So they can get their book deal and the money from the lobbyists. You, you see all these politicians, man, that end up leaving Congress, and they're worth like $150 million. And it's like, how do we... How did that become the thing? You know what I mean? Like You, you don't think that creates ulterior, ulterior motives for someone in, in, in public office? Right when there's all these opportunities to make insane amounts of money and shit, I'm as capitalist as they come, man. So you want to go make a hundred million, like do it. But yeah. 
not at the expense of you know these narratives and, and you know kind of get reelected at all costs because they're they're doing it for the wrong reasons and and you know, I think like quick solution to that would be like fucking term limits I don't even get into politics but it's like you know you have these career politicians that are eighty five fucking years old and ironically their portfolio and their trading portfolio is just you know. 50% above, you know what I mean? Crazy. Like, oh, you are, think Nancy Pelosi is just naturally like the best day trader of all time? Like you <laughs> Their think, salaries are yeah. 200 grand, yeah. and yet they come out being worth exactly. 200 million. So it's like, wait a second. It's like they, you know, we, we, we got to like, you know, be cautious that they want to get reelected, right? And they, you know, they don't want people to think for themselves. They want them to think like sheep. And the more people that are going to be dependent on a check every month and, um, you know, all these free things and free programs and, and subscribe to this narrative that they're pushing of like, oh, well, you deserve this because you're a victim. It's literally just to win elections, man. And I, I, if you could hook these people up to a polygraph and say, hey, do you actually give a shit about these people? I bet all of them fail. <laughs> you know, maybe some. All yeah. right, I don't want to throw them all under the bus, but I wish we could just realize that there's, there's a reason this mainstream victim narrative is getting pushed. And it's not for noble reasons. Like, it's not this like, oh, like, this is a real thing. It's like, no, that this is a, we're all being fooled. And this is so every four years or two years, you know, election cycles, you know, you, you vote a certain way, right? And we're all then going to fight about it. And, you know, we're all going to be yelling at each other and they're going to divide us. And that's just how it works. Well, and, and so there is the, the political party component, which I think is undeniable. And then I think another layer deeper than that, or, or just maybe on the same level as that, is that, when we are disempowered as a people, you are easier to convince and control. And I, I don't need that yeah. doesn't need to be in some grand way. It just means that start to look at who donates to those parties as well. <laughs> Whether it's I'm, I'm sorry, like the pharmaceutical companies and whatnot in the billions and billions of dollars that they back certain politicians or certain parties with that as we become powered and we realize the power that we contain within us as humans, you become less reliant on these what, what, to use that example, pharmaceutical companies, the healthcare system, and other things like that, because you start to manage your own system in a way that you're less reliant on external things. So, and, and once again, that may be a, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down, but it is, that's what scares me too, is that this top down, and I'll use the word almost to totalitarian thing of like, hey, the more people are unwilling to wake up to their own power, it's easier to convince them of things. And I'm sorry, we've seen that play out several times now in the last couple of years. And that is scary because that does not, there are a lot of examples of where that leads to throughout human history yeah. and it's never a good spot. Yeah. If we keep going, man, we might have to put our tinfoil hats on. <laughs> I know, I know. We're getting into I know, Congress. I know, I know. I know. God. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We yeah. didn't plan on going there. I, that was my fault. I'll, yeah. I'll take yeah, the blame you took on it that. There. My bad. My bad. I'll try to yeah. keep it on the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think, you know, to kind of wrap this up, man, you know, it all comes down to it. it it's simple, right? You even hit on like the nuclear family, which I didn't think we were going to go there, but that 100% of it. But, but I think the biggest thing is we all need to be empowered to believe that we can control our own destiny. No matter where you are at in your life right now, I don't care if you're 45 years old, making minimum wage, and, and you've made some mistakes in your life, and you think, all right, I, you know, there's no, I can't go back to, you know, maybe achieving some semblance of success and whatever that looks like to you. We all have a starting point. It doesn't matter what your situation is, but it has to come with the brutal honesty that, you know, you're going to have to go through some shit to, to improve your fighting position and, and get yourself out of that. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to come from government checks. That's not the way to fight your way out of, out of the predicament you're in. It's going to take brutal honesty on, on what you actually bring to the table. Um, and also, also like hopefully some grace to people that in my eyes, like success should not always be measured by 
you know, your position or how much money you make. Like we said, like there's some people like, hey, if you're doing these things, be proud of that because you're you're a contributing member of society and you're a fucking wagon puller, right? The parents and the people working late hours and the nurses that are working the, that night shift. And, you know, it's like there's so many people. It's like, man, I see them and, and like they inspire me. You know, I was even, I was getting some tile done at the house a couple of weeks ago and these guys were there laying tile, right? Those guys are freaking wagon pullers, man. Like I respect that. They're working their butt off. They're making an honest wage, right? They're going to go home that, that night exhausted, see their family hopefully, but like they earn that paycheck that day, yeah. right? So it's like, it, it doesn't need to be some prestigious thing. Like they're, every, we can all pull the wagon um, and, and hopefully we, we, we should feel a sense of responsibility that we should be all pulling and never be a freeloader, man. There's too many people that want to take that easy route, route, you know, route and go sit up in the wagon and then just talk shit on all everyone that's pulling, which is just the wildest irony of all time. Um, you know, we should be proud that that we're we're harnessed up front, digging into the ground and pulling that thing, right? And if we all pull, that 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 weight gets a little bit lighter, right? And and the, unfortunately, it goes the opposite. More people that say, "All right, screw this. This wagon's going to move regardless of whether I'm pulling or not." And they go sit in it. Well, that that weight starts getting getting heavier and heavier, and eventually, that's not sustainable as a society. Um, and uh, and you've seen that play out with you know some of these other socialist countries, right? Like it's like we we see what wrong looks like. Yeah. We, we can literally see it play out in so many different occasions, yeah. and then we still like think, "Oh, well, maybe we should try that." Yeah, it's like you know, it's just it's just crazy the fact that that some people in this country think that some of those policies are where we want to go, and it's like. Oh, where has that literally ever worked ever? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, do those people look happy? Does their society look legit yeah. with inflation at like 80% and this, all these other crazy things? Um, they're all controlled. No one can think for themselves. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, we, we see the wrong answers to the test already through other examples. And it just comes down to that old school stuff, man, personal responsibility, work your butt off, try to be a force for good. Um, give yourself some grace. You know what I mean? Success doesn't happen overnight. And, um, and it'll all work out. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just we, we got to get we got to get that mentality back, man, as a country and, and, and as a society. Agree. Shit. Any, any other closing thoughts? Do you have yeah. any outlier? <laughs> well, I want to hear some of your wagon pullers. Like, who who are people that like wouldn't well, be normally? Who are the heroes in your life? Like the roles that you see in your everyday well, life. Well, when when you brought up and, and he listens to the podcast, so my my best friend Hayden and and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this. So we grew up. I, you kind of know a little bit about my area. It's it's just. There's just not, it was very like um, coal and steel oriented. So when, when those industries left, there's not much there. Now, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's complete doomsday, but there's just not a lot going on. There's a lot of drugs. Like I could name, I could sit here and name 30 people from my graduating or around my graduating class that have overdosed on whether it's heroin, fentanyl, and then even drugs like meth are just at like grew up around it um, almost to a point where like people can't believe the stories that, that we have from growing up. So where I'm getting at is still my best friend to this day. He grew up in a trailer with a single mom. His dad overdosed when he was 11 years old. This kid, he had no money. He had nothing, like nothing, nothing, nothing. But what he had is, and he was extremely overweight at a young age when he was, I mean, he was always tall, which helped it a little bit. But when I think when he was in fifth grade, and I, I'm, I'm going to mess this up, but I think he was around 275, 250, 275 already. So he was taller, but like as a as a fifth or sixth grader already, I know he was around 250. Oh, shit. Yes, and not athletic. Get like, him on the O-line, Well, man. there's where I'm Pulling going. Guard, there's let's where I'm go. going is that I watched him, and here's where, and you talk about like shared suffering is, 
him and I, like he's the one when we talked about the the winning in the in the gym that episode, he's the one that I said we ended up getting a key to the weight room and that his mom who like drove this shitty beater car would take she worked at KFC would take it which was like 30 minutes away. Um, she would take us to the gym in the morning at 5am. And I watched him over time. And even myself, I, you, you know, this I was six five one thirty. like, something we had a vibe right away and he was kind of like a not not he was just goofy he was so big like he got made fun of he got bullied but for some reason him and I uh kind of struck a relationship and then as soon as we started working out together our friendship continued to deepen continued to deepen he went on to play division two football on a on a on a scholarship and now is working at the state capitol in Harrisburg and when I look back on like that kid's like in his trajectory is just huge. Like he's he's now sitting in rooms with governors and he's, he's I mean, he's a politician, like in, in a good way too. Like you sit down with him and he's doing it for the right reasons. And when I look at individuals like that, it, that it's a perfect example. It's like he had, and I've watched everyone else in our area that that was dealt a better hand than him not be able to make it out. It's like that motherfucker like never once was willing to say like, look at what's going on with me. It's like, it was always the opposite, almost almost to a detriment where like he worked so fucking hard that now like we laugh because he has to like tone it back because he, he's like so used to being in survival mode. So, and that's something we, we, we share together, I think. And like to see, to see an example like that, like that, that, and, and there's other ones too from, from my area, but like could not be a better example of somebody who was unwilling to accept the shitty circumstances they found in. And he always had hope. There was always hope in him. And like, and he's become an inspiration to myself and I know kind of our friend group and even, even my parents, cause they were kind of his second parents growing up. So yeah, I think he, he's somebody that em, embodies it perfectly. Uh, cause it, it's wild to watch, man. And that's, that's the subtlety of it. It's like, it, he didn't make that. It wasn't a one month or even a one year thing. Like he crawled out of that fucking hole for like six years until it became more like, okay, I, that's no longer me. You know what I mean? He's separated from it, but it took a lot of fucking time to, to crawl out of that shithole. It's personal responsibility, yeah. man. Yeah. He, he refused to accept his fate and, you know, hidden hero and all that is probably his mom. For Working sure. At KFC, Dude, she, probably not yes. making great wage. And then she's taking you guys to the weight room, sneaking yes. you in at five, five in the morning. Cheryl, yeah, she, she's, she's a freaking wagon pole, exactly. right? Yeah. These are these heroes that it's not always what you think, man. Yep. And, and man, that's, that's inspiring. And, it just goes back to the, you know, it's, it's the same idea, man. Yeah. Um, you don't, you can write your own story. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, but it's, it takes repeated effort daily over an extended period of time before you actually start seeing the, the fruits of your labor. It, and right? it might not even be, this is something I've realized lately. It's like, and it's a surrendering to the circumstances I find myself in with two kids now is like, it may not even be you. Like, and I mean that as in like, as long as you're setting up a situation and this doesn't, this is not just financially, this just means like, how you raise them and then the resources you do provide, whether that's money or just experiences, it's like, it may be about the next generation or the generation after that. And I think when you start to think that way, you lose the narcissism of like, I need to make this happen for myself. And it's like, no, no, what if I just make sure that I'm setting up a scenario in which my kids and then hopefully their kids can live a life of opportunity and freedom that maybe took me 30 years to get to. Maybe it only takes them 10. And of course, within that, you still wanna be instilling the values that you learned along the way. But I, I think zooming out like that is actually, once again, to me, that's a scalable system within a society. If we all start to think that way of like, not just my immediate needs, what are the immediate needs of my individual, or like uh, the people that I raise and then their kids? Because then once you get really doubt on that, I think it's natural for good leaders to start to think, 
okay, what about, what about my community? Then what about a society? What about a city? And when you start to think of that, of how are we setting up the next generation for success instead of how can we make this good for us right now? You've created an ecosystem that I think is sustainable over time. And I think there's a lot of examples right now where we aren't thinking that way. It's immediate gratification. It's immediate, like, how can we get more resources here right now? And even what, what we do to our water and things, it's like, it's silly to me because it's so short-sighted and I'm oversimplifying it. But if we can zoom out and start to focus on future generations, once we've dialed in our own shit and then our direct responsibility shit, that's a sustainable system. Absolutely, man. Well... Hopefully this little this little riff. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, hope you know for those listening. Hope you got something out of this. Um, you know, and and maybe it, it offered you a little bit of reflection on what role you're playing right now in society. Are you are you harnessed up and pulling? Are you being a force for good, a good parent, a good neighbor, a good friend, good family member, working you know an honest living? Um, or are you a place in your your life right now where maybe you got to be walking alongside the rat uh, wagon for for particular circumstances? Right, that's okay. We we acknowledge that and. Um, maybe just maybe you're one of those people sitting up in the wagon, collecting that, that check and talking shit on everyone else that's pulling. And, and, you know, maybe this is offered a little bit of, uh, another perspective that you can reflect on and Hey, there's plenty of open harnesses up front. Um, so come down here, strap up, dig in and start pulling with the rest of us. But, but we all are going to win together and, uh, you know, we all owe each other some grace. And again, these are just our personal viewpoints, we're definitely not experts. Um, these are just values that I think maybe we uh, established, you know, from, from mentors, like we said, but definitely would love to hear your all's thoughts. So, you know, feel free to, to shoot down our arguments and, and offer different perspectives. That's how we, we find the ultimate truth. So I definitely am open to that. Um, I'm by no means the, the omnipotent, uh, all-encompassing <laughs> opinion here. Uh, just one, one common man's opinion uh, that we wanted to kind of... Uh, elaborate on a little bit so hope hope you all got something for value out of that and thank you so much for you know all the messages and comments we've been getting um you know we're we're, we're past 20 episodes now and this has been a lot of fun a big learning curve for us um but the encouragement's been really cool to know that that people are listening and making it part of their weekly routine and um you know kind of a, a bit of a responsibility for us to make sure we're, we're interviewing cool guests and, and the biggest thing is that there's takeaways for you guys to pull out of every episode whether you want to use it or not at least it's a different perspective so thank you so much and we will catch you next week thanks guys